welcome back to the LPC Canteen. I'm your host, Fano. I am Elena. So we're back. So today our guest speaker is Shira. Well, I get to know Shira during my TOK class, and we are the partners for like I think almost every TOK presentation. <laughs> so true. And we and we call it cold. So I'm thinking maybe I can invite Shira about her dance experience. So Shira, when did you begin to dance? So I began dancing. It was really just because my mom pushed me to go to a ballet class, and in the beginning I really didn't want to go, <laughs> but. Since then, I stuck with it. Yeah. So, do you still do ballet now? Now, not just because I'm in LPC. Mm-hmm. But actually, during COVID, I started going. I started dancing again after a year of not dancing in LPC. Um, but now I stopped again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also like my mother also forced me to take ballet, but then. I just couldn't do it. So then, like, after one lesson or something, I quit. And then I just stuck with something else. But how has your whole, like, dance experience has, like, been for you? Because I know that a lot of dancers, they start at a really young age. And then, like, they, they start before their bones, like, actually develop. So, like, mm. by the time that they're, like, 14, 50, they already have, like, a really good bone structure for dancing. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. It re- I mean, it depends what style you do. But for ballet, like, that's what the teachers aim for. And that's what my body teacher did for me. So I have like, my foot is kind of like arched. So mm-hmm. the point would really show. And I guess now, like when I walk, it still kind of cracks every time. And I feel like <laughs> it's going to stay for my whole life now. But I guess it was worth it because I really enjoyed it. Mine always sent me to the ballet class, even though I don't want to, because the ballet teacher is so strict. He even used the stick to, you know, like hit the leg when your leg is not straight. Mm-hmm. And I'm so afraid of him. Like my mom doesn't want me to become a professional dancer, but it's for like good body shape. After I stopped dancing because of the workload of the school, I feel like I miss the ballet class after my mom doesn't push me to go to the class. So I feel like ballet just become a part of me. Yeah, you know? I agree. Like I, re- I really want to go to ballet classes now. Yeah, I I just like as someone who didn't do dance or I mean I did like I did some like jazz or like I don't know like modern and not like modern dance but like just like regular like popular dance I guess but I never I never really did ballet and I feel like ballet is one of like the most strict out of all the dance disciplines because like they control like every day like they they want like I heard that in ballet you need to like have it takes a lot of effort to look very beautiful and mm-hmm. like your, your your goal at the end of the day is to like look very pretty and look very aesthetically pleasing is that correct yeah i agree i think it was one of the um one of the experiences that was the hardest for me in ballet because um it is the main goal is to look very aesthetically pleasing and you have to look long and slim and the lines are supposed to look perfect and that's the main goal of ballet and I guess like when, when I go to ballet shows, that's also what I'm looking for. And at some point it started also being very hard because you would look in the mirror and that's the only thing you would you would see instead of enjoying the dance experience. And I think it's one of the reasons at some point it was um, not as hard for me to quit ballet professionally because I did ballet more professionally and then quitting it and doing it as a hobby was... Um, mainly because of this obsession of perfection. And I think 
while when you see it as audience, it's very important. You need to see this perfection because that's what ballet is. But then as a ballet dancer, when you are um, obsessed over this perfection, it can be very hard. And it's one of the reasons that it was easier for me to quit doing it professionally. I'm not the slender as what a ballet dancer should be. And when I go to the class, I am the fattest girl in the room. So I know that maybe someone will say, okay, they should not have the standard for body shape. But it's true that if you are not that standard, it's hard for you to do some dance moves because you need to use more energy to move your body muscle. Do you agree with the body standard of the ballet dancer? I think um, it depends on the extent of the ballet dancer. I think everyone can dance ballet. Ballet is amazing. And I I think it's a gift that I did it and I'm still going to do it. Never mind what I look. And I think at the end of the day, I would agree um, when it comes to very to doing it very professionally and um, performing, like, for example, in the Royal Ballet School or in the Bolshoi, then I... I believe, yes, you will need some kind of body structure just because that's how ballet is and that's how the whole show is structured. But at the same time, I wouldn't say anyone should stop just because they don't have the body shape. For example, I, I'm pretty short and ballet dancers are supposed to be very tall. And that didn't stop me from um, doing ballet professionally because I believe if you're good, never mind, like... Even if you don't have the body shape for being a ballerina, you can still do it as long as you really want it. And I really wanted to be a ballerina at that time. And that's why I kept on doing ballet and I worked really hard um, so that my body shape will not influence and will not make me not become a ballerina just because I'm not tall enough. So I believe, I believe that everyone can do it. It's just how much they want. I'm not sure if this is too sensitive to ask about, but like I know that like your diets are also very strict, especially for like because I've seen like I'm kind of like on YouTube you'll see a lot of recommend like videos where they recommend you to like watch like a day in the life of a ballerina, mm-hmm. and then I noticed that like they're either very very disciplined like about their their food or they're just like naturally they they have like fast metabolism or whatever. You also have to maintain your diet within like very strict boundaries of what you can and cannot eat in order to prepare for a show. Yeah, it is very personal and it, like it depends on the individual. But I know in my ballet school, we would have like the teachers would provide us with um, diet structure. So we would have we would know exactly what we need to eat for breakfast, what we need to eat for lunch mm-hmm. and dinner, what we need to eat before shows, what we need to eat um, in the breaks of the shows and after the show. We would have very strict diet. Um, and at that time I thought it's crucial because I thought, oh, obviously I need to know exactly what I'm eating. I need to know what I eat before, what I eat after, because it's important for my performance. Looking back, I think it can be very problematic, especially when dealing with teenage girls. Really like tracking what you eat can be very, very problematic for some individuals. For me personally, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad, but I know some of my friends, it was, it could be very uh, very triggering to track all of this. But yes, like there are some like very strict diets that you need to follow. I've heard that like it's you're being a ballerina is like be almost being an athlete if, except that you need to like you need to have aesthetic elements also in your like the dance routine or the piece 
But then mm-hmm. it's it's harder because like when you're an athlete, you don't need to like worry about your, your like the the aesthetic part. But then mm-hmm. when you're a ballerina, you also like you're basically an athlete that needs to like look aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, I agree. it's also I think it's not also aesthetically pleasing. It's mm-hmm. also um the art form because that yeah, like yeah. the the athlete they do amazing amazing stuff. But at the end of the day, dancers they're athletes that also perform art mm-hmm. and if you only focus because like, I know I also would fall in this trap if you only focus on how you look um, when you dance and when you look at the mirror and you only focus on the lines that you produce and the way you look your body for example then at the end of the day when you perform the art the art that you produce will not be as meaningful because it's not only from the outside it's also from the inside and I think that's what is most important also in ballet to also focus on the art that you produce, which comes, which really comes from the inside and your passion. And so that's what I think distincts um, dancers from other athletes. It's the art that they produce. Mm-hmm. Do you think you're going to go into ballet in the future, like as like, a professional? To be honest, I think I'm never going to be a professional dancer again because I feel like once you once you quit, especially ballet, going back will, will be mm-hmm. very difficult. Mm-hmm. I don't think I will ever be, um, I guess, as good as I was before because I put a lot of effort. I would, um, I would practice every single day. And, of course, like I haven't been doing that for almost two years. So I feel like for ballet, that would be very hard to come back and do it professionally. I guess maybe other art forms, such as contemporary dance, that could be possible. But I think at the point that I I am now at, I don't think I want to do it professionally anymore. Um, even though if you would ask me two years ago, that would be like my only, like the only thing I think about. But right now at the point I'm at, especially after LPC and after I've discovered different fields, I think it's not what I want to pursue, but it's still part of my life since a very young age. And I know that I will be doing it, but Probably not professionally. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about um, continuing doing ballet in LPC? For example, you can start a ballet PC, like ballet club. It was very difficult for me to quit doing it. And for some reason, when I quit doing it professionally, I didn't want to do it not professionally. At this, like when I came, I was like, it will feel so weird to do it not in a professional form like not in a ballet school or in a ballet company, it would be like, I felt that it's wrong, which is why I didn't want, I was like, okay, if I'm quitting, doing it professionally, then I'm quitting, which looking back, I don't know if it was the right decision, but because it was hard for me to know that I'm basically quitting dancing, I didn't want to do it not professionally. And I think I'm still, it's still kind of hard for me still going even to, dance lessons and knowing that I'm doing it for fun because it was never fun. It was just like, like dancing was just my life. It was never for fun. And now doing it for fun or as a hobby or like with friends, it still feels, it feels weird for me, but I'm getting used to it. And I think for now it will be a bit too late to start a QC, I guess. But yeah, that's why I, I didn't even think about it in the first place when coming here. Is it for dance in general? And have you ever tried other dance, for example, like contemporary dances? I think the main 
the main dance form that I did was ballet um, because that was what my school focused on. Um, I did also, about two years ago, I started doing contemporary, um, but it wasn't as professional, And but I love it. Yeah, I think like the main thing for me was ballet because it was, it's what I focused on for so many years. Um, but if if I would start dancing again, like it for sure it would be contemporary because I I really like it. I also tried contemporary dance in my passport because the dance leaders do the contemporary dance. So every mm. performance on the campus are the contemporary dance. And sometimes, I don't know, after doing ballet, I know like ballet, you have a specific thing and you have some movement. So I have a clear idea what I'm doing right now. But then for contemporary dance, because its concept is so abstract. So for example, one of the moves that we're running uh, to each other and then cannot touch each other. And then uh, the leader say, okay, it represents um, the contemporary word that everyone has the barrier between each other and cannot really reach the inner part of other people. So I feel like this kind of concept is so abstract. And I don't really know how the audience can really get the meaning because I talk with some friends after the performance and they actually misunderstood. So I don't know. How do you view the interpretation between ballet and contemporary dance? I think um, because those styles are so different from each other, then the interpretation is also so different. For ballet, um, all the... All the shows, all the performances are repeating it, like they're repeating again and again for the years, um, like Nutcracker, Swan Lake, um, Sleeping Beauty. It has been performed for years, and people know the story. People know what the story is about and what the ballerina is doing, and I think it's beautiful in its own way. But then contemporary, it's always new. It's always renewing the same the same performance. It's very unlikely that you will see it more than more than two times and i think that's what's beautiful in that in that sense and i that's why i really enjoy contemporary just because the way i always go with my mom or with my grandmother and the way we interpret we interpret the performance is completely different and i guess we can never really know what um what the choreographer meant which is also beautiful in its own way because i i interpret in a very personal way and I would connect it to my whole like to my own life while my mom will connect it to something completely else because she has a different life and that's why I really enjoy watching contemporary and but I think it's also one of the hardest things when dancing contemporary because you never actually know what the choreographer means and I think it's hard because then you can't really portray what the choreographer wants you to portray so as a dancer, that can be very hard, but as audience, so eye-opening and you can interpret like however you want and it can be such a beautiful thing. After watching contemporary dance, I'm always like going out, I'm like, wow, that was amazing. And I always think about it for days. So that's why I really, really enjoy the style as audience mainly. Because I'm not too familiar with a lot of dances. So like mm-hmm. when I look at dance, I, I really don't, understand what the dancer is trying to like portray what what they're trying to convey because like I'm more used to mediums like I don't know, like songs or like writing like or mm. books or movies where they tell you like very like sort of like very directly that oh like that person is feeling what emotion or 
um, oh, she is doing what right now, like the action, like she does the action. And it's like, I don't know, it's, it's very obvious. Mm-hmm. But then for Dan to, like, I know that you're supposed to like express your feelings or express like an intention through your body. So how do you tell people who don't really understand dance to understand dance? Because I feel like it's very hard to really understand if you're not from like a dance background. Yeah, I agree. I think um, if you're as as audience, mm-hmm. I think the more you the more you expose yourself mm-hmm. to dance, the better you will understand this language. Because at the end of the day, it is a language. Mm-hmm. Dance is a language. It's a language through movement and the way you what you do with your body, which is why it's so beautiful. And just like other languages in words, you can't just understand language at one time or like watching um, two shows. I think just like just because it is a language, you gotta practice it and you gotta expose yourself more to this language. And that means going to more performances or even watching on YouTube performances. And I think um first of all my family, because I've been dancing for so long, they <laughs> they had no other choice but going to my performances. And yeah. I think and when I talk to them, I think they really do understand this art form better after they've been watching so many shows because they didn't have any other choice. And I think that's what made them also appreciate this language, this type of art form. And I would say, um, if you're not very familiar with this, like with dance and this type of art form, I would say definitely like going to more shows and performances and um, trying to like watching again, as I said, like YouTube videos and all this stuff and even dancing yourself. And then you discover so many more things that your body can do. And then when you go to the actual performance, like it's so absorbing mm-hmm. and you just, you sit there and you try to see like what's happening with the space and with the, all, all the dancers. And only, I think only then you can really try to understand what's happening. But I would say in the beginning, it can be very confusing if you don't really know like what, what dance is. So definitely just like, just like any other language, exposing yourself more. And if you want to get to know more ballet dance, I think the word ballet day is October 29th. Just yeah, happened like two was, days ago. Yeah. And there are so many performances. I think it would be great. You guys want to know more ballet and have a look of the show. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, I think I also kind of relate to like the part where you said like your parents kind of understand. Because I've also been um, like playing an instrument since I was like four. Mm. And then... I think, like, after a while, like, I don't know how, because, like, my mom has never studied, like, piano or music before. But then after a while, like, I would, like, I don't know, play a piece. And I have to, like, repeat that piece a lot of time to, like, practice it and, like, to perfect it, right? And then my mom would be able to tell which which version was better than the mm-hmm. other. And I was, like, so surprised because, like, because, like, it takes a lot of effort and, like, mental effort to sort of, like, shape the piece in the way that you want it to be portrayed. And... I had no idea how she was able to judge how one piece was other was better than the other, but I was just like so surprised. And I think that I think that it's also like yeah, it's a matter of time and like a matter of like how much you expose yourself to. I agree. And like the length of yeah. Can you also tell me more about like how ballet is in the world right now? Because I know that a lot of different countries will have different like ballet conservatories or ballet mm-hmm. dance ballet um, companies yeah and like I was wondering if there's like a hierarchy to like which one was like the best or like if there's like if every ballet dancer wants to go to one like which one would that be I think um I think in general ballet has become more popular around the world and I would say like the main companies like everyone 
at least in the dance world, like everyone is aware of it. And it's the goals of every ballerina as a, as a student. Mm-hmm. I would say, I mean, if I had to rank, I think, um, for example, Russia and um, Great Britain, they're very, like, their companies, they're very famous. Everyone, that's the, the main goal of everyone, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like Bolshoi, Vaganova, and the Royal Ballet School um, in London. That's like, those are the companies that every ballet dancer wants to go to. I guess like there, there are also like so many in other countries, but those are like the main ones that do tours around the world as well. Mm-hmm. So they expose themselves more to more to a wider range of audience, and that those are the companies that also my like my ballet teacher she always wanted me to go to. I think specifically Israel, I would say there is only one ballet company which is pretty good, but in terms of like in the global scale. It's very minor. Um, it's also because we're a very small country, I guess. And I would say ballet is not very um, common in Israel too, which is why, like, if you're a very good ballerina, then you would go outside of Israel, mm-hmm. which is also what I wanted to do. I understand Russia, as, because I think they have, like, a very long ballet history. Yeah. I, did, I had no idea UK was also, like, a top player in the ballet game. Yeah, they are. Also, I know like there are many companies in Italy as well, and mm. of course in New York. And... How do you think they're different? Like, do they have like distinct styles or the dancers which come from the ballet companies? Yes, I think actually there is. Um, just just giving an example, um, I know that the they will show, for example, the types of works that they will produce and they they will perform is so different from the type of works that they will produce in New York, for example, in the United States, that the ballerinas will do. Mm-hmm. And so I know that that's why they have completely different types of audience as well, because Russia, they will, because I, I also learned it in my ballet school, they will produce more um, traditional mm-hmm. works. So like, like I said, like Swan Lake, Sleeping mm-hmm. Beauty, which is like very like old and um, traditional, I guess, in the ballet world. While, for example, companies in uh, the United States, it's more contemporary, but still in the ballet world. Mm. So they're producing like ballet artworks that are more like that are more new and contemporary. So they have like a completely different styles, but it's still in the ballet world and it's still an art form. That's why it's beautiful. That's why I love ballet, because there's so many options that you can see and so many performances and so many styles. And I think it's amazing. That's what... That's why companies do tours around the world to expose so many different ranges in ballet to so many audience. Well, let's move to the next topic. So I know Shira is the choreographer for the Mesca Cultural <laughs> Evening Dance. Um, how did you handle that? How did you choreograph like uh, integrating so many cultures into one dance and then handling teaching for so many people? Because now I teach the Chinese dance to around like 10 people and it's so hard for me. Because you need to handle like the people with like different dance background. Uh, even some of them do not have the dance experience at all. Actually, I think um, in the beginning it was kind of difficult for me because immediately when I started, I guess teaching them. Um, okay, first of all, they were amazing. Like I, I love them. They put so much effort. Like all the Mesca people. Like yeah, I think the show was amazing in the end and. It was, it was also, it was fun rehearsing with them. It was, it was, I loved it. 
But in the beginning, I did find it quite difficult because immediately I went to my comfort zone of what my teachers did to me. So like shouting and saying, this is not good. This is not good. And like seeing only the negative aspects, because at the end of the of the day, that's how you produce the perfect show. If you mm-hmm. only point out the bad things, then it will eventually be the best. Mm-hmm. But after a few times, I understood that this is not a ballet company here. And that at the end of the day, it's got to be fun. It's a quarter evening and it, got, it doesn't have to be perfect. And because people come from like different backgrounds, as you said, like backgrounds of dancing, maybe they haven't danced at all because they didn't come here to dance. Um, so I understood that this is not the main goal to produce the perfect show. And I think that's how, like, like also Natalia, she also really helped me, Natalia from Lebanon. So that's how we really produced, like, this show. Because we were like, okay, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be fun. And even though in the beginning for me it was very contradicting from what I have experienced in the ballet world, at the end of the day, when I came here to LPC, I understood that nothing has to be perfect. And I think that's the mindset I had when I was teaching these dances. And we had a lot of fun. And that's, I think, that's what made this dance so amazing. Because in the performance, when I looked at it, it really looked like they were having fun. And we were, it was funny. And the bayoneting was funny, but it was also fun. So I think that's how I managed it. Just like forgetting about perfection and trying to have fun and to compliment them a lot. Even if there was one person that couldn't do eight units, but then after a few times he could do 16 it was amazing so i was like very happy for them at the end they produced like amazing pieces like we had two dances the dabke and the bay dance and they were amazing and i'm so proud of them and it was a very fun experience are those dances on your foundational dance actually both of them i guess maybe dabke is a bit similar to what we have we have something called aura but it's not dabke so both of them are not from my own country, which in the beginning was weird for me to teach because I'm not, I'm not, I guess I never actually did it professionally. Like it's not, it doesn't come from my own culture, which in the beginning felt a bit wrong to teach. But um, I just looked from YouTube videos and I tried to understand the style so it could be the most authentic as it can be when I teach it. Um, but no, like both of them, belly dancing and dabke, we don't really have it in my culture. Mm-hmm. But I know that in like in the Arabic group, it is in in their culture, but not not in Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what would you say are some like dance styles of like or like very specific? Okay, I would say I guess I don't want to say so much about the south, the southern Asia region because mm-hmm. um, I guess that, that would I would leave that to Alter and Andini. <laughs> <laughs> they did a great job too. Um, okay, also depends on the style. For example, belly dancing, it's a lot of hips movement, a lot of hips and like the fists of the hand, um, doing all the circular movements. Um, Dabke is more like on the beat, um, mostly like leg work. So it's, I guess it really does depend on the style, but I would say for all of them, it's a lot of like hip movement, which is all the Arabic dances, I guess. So before we end today, um, is there anything you want to add on about dance or, or mascara or, or anything about you in general yeah i think everyone should start dancing <laughs> <laughs> like i believe like it's it doesn't have to be professional and it's so powerful this language especially now like in uwc when everyone comes from different regions everyone has different languages too mm-hmm. different point of views perspectives like dance is an art form that can bring people 
from all around the world and do the same thing, the same language. I think it's amazing. And I would, to be honest, now that like after I've been having this podcast, I really want to dance now. <laughs> and I think like I miss it. And I think um, everyone can do it. Never mind like the way they look or like whether they, they have danced before. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Dance is amazing just the way it is. And I think... Um, it's like a beautiful art form that everyone should try to do. So that was all for today. Thank you for listening on Episode Eight. We have a great talk with Flora. And follow for us for more updates. See ya. Bye. Thank you. Bye.